Hello, I'm Eric Corman, Communications Director at League of Education Voters. In this podcast, we interview policymakers, partners, and thought leaders to spotlight education policies, research, and practices so that together we can create a brighter future for every Washington student. The Washington State Legislative Youth Advisory Council, LIAC, is codified in law as the official youth advisory body to the state legislature, and its activities are wide-ranging. Throughout the year, 14 to 18-year-old student members of the council actively lobby legislators, testify in committee, advise various government agencies, host events around the state, collaborate with nearly 200 community organizations, and much more. LIAC also spends much time conversing with young people in every corner of Washington about their priorities in order to be a more effective advocate to the legislature. Their website is walyac.org, spelled W-A-L-Y-A-C.org. Kellen Horde is the chair of LIAC. He's a junior from Kirkland in the 45th Legislative District and a second-year member of LIAC. Kellen has worked with several state and federal political campaigns, is an intern for the Eastside Education Network, and advises the Washington State PTA. Outside of LIAC, Kellen is involved in Model UN, choir, technical theater, his school newspaper, and is an avid numismatist. What is that, by the way? Uh, numismatist is like a coin collector. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that's not a word that comes up every day. I'll remember that the next time I watch Jeopardy. Upon being selected as a council member, he said, by helping youth in particular, I believe we can help the state as a whole. Priyanka Mukara is a junior at Interlake High School in Bellevue, resides in the 48th Legislative District, and is a first-year member of LIAC. Priyanka is a passionate and driven young leader and advocate. She has led inspiring work in the Bellevue School District to advocate for racially equitable education, which makes her well-equipped to address these issues on a state level. As a member of LIAC, Priyanka uses her experience and passion to inspire her peers to engage with the legislative process. Kellen and Priyanka, thank you so much for joining me. How was LIAC started? Thank you for uh, having us on here today. Uh, in terms of how LIAC was started, it was started back in the mid-2000s, I believe it was 2005. Originally, there was a 12-year-old uh, named Alex, and he lived in Washington State, and he realized that there was really no formal avenue for youth to get involved in their state government. Overall participation of students in civics was declining in the state. Legislation was being unresponsive to the needs of youth. And so what he did is he actually went to the legislature. He went to his local state senator and proposed the Legislative Youth Advisory Council. It passed the legislature initially with no funding and kind of no home. But it was a very popular idea. And the Legislative Youth Advisory Council, or LIAC, as you said, basically was established to advise the state legislature. But given the fact that it had no funding and no home, it really started out as an effort by career employees of the state to try and do their best. Staff members of the state Senate provided advice and, and volunteer support. OSPI, the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, provided some advisory stuff as well. And through the years, LIAC has actually been quite adaptable, um, moving from agency to agency, initially again with no home, then to OSPI, and then to the Lieutenant Governor's Office. And now it is currently co-administered by the Lieutenant Governor's Office and the 501c3 nonprofit, the Washington State Leadership Board, and they go on that in a joint venture. And of course, we have more funding now, so we're able to actually expand our goals. But that was really the basis behind LIAC being initially started was, how do we make sure that youth are getting involved at the decision-making table? How do we make sure that students 
are advising on not only legislation and policy and making sure that it's more adaptable and more responsive to students, but also making sure that we're getting students involved in a very key arena, civics, in the first place, which is a perpetual question that people have. And it's a question that in live conversations today, people still ask us, mostly adults. They ask us, how do we get youth involved? We want youth involved, but we just don't know how. And LAG kind of serves to fill that gap. Great. Well, Priyanka, how did you get involved in LIAC? How did you find out about it? And what was the process for you to get involved? Thank you for that question. I think that LIAC is just the paramount example of a way for youth in Washington to really get involved in the government. And as a person who grew up in a very STEM-centered area where a lot of my peers were learning how to code and doing all these different cool things. I felt a loss because I didn't know how I could get involved in the politics and government and, you know, local communities that I was really interested in, but didn't feel like a middle schooler or a high schooler really did fit into. So when I came across LIAC in searching for an opportunity where I really could get involved, I was completely overjoyed. I actually did apply to LIAC two times before I was accepted, but I was persistent and I continued to work in my community and really try to get the most out of advocacy that I really could. And I was fortunately chosen to serve on LIAC this past year, and I really look forward to serving in the next year. Understanding that LIAC is a really, really key resource for students across the the state that are super interested in public policy and the government is just one of the main reasons that I got involved in LIAC and would really like to spread the joy and love of LIAC to future applicants and people who just want to be involved in the government. Absolutely. So you basically found them just online doing a Google search? Yes. So I would say that it wasn't a simple Google search. It was more of like a very intensive deep dive into any possible opportunities that I could have. But I did fortunately stumble upon LIAC, though I do know that we're making more um, intentional steps to get our, our word out. I did have to dive a little bit to get here. How many students are part of LIAC? And then do you do recruiting to make sure that you get students from different parts of Washington State? That's a great question. So there are 22 members of LIAC. It is a very interesting number in that in some of our pursuits, it's too large, some of it's too small, and some of it is just right. We've had 22 members for quite a long time now. We do really make a conscious effort to get students from all around the state and from all different backgrounds. Part of that is our mandate in law to be nonpartisan and really a good representative on behalf of all of Washington's millions of youth. Our application process at the time of recording actually just is finishing up for the new cohort coming in. And in that process, we really make a conscious effort not only to get geographic diversity, but racial diversity, gender diversity, and all kinds of other elements played into it. In addition to, of course, being motivated and passionate about civic engagement and wanting to be leaders in their communities. So we really do make a conscious effort in that. As to what Priyanka was alluding to in terms of making sure that as many students know about it as possible. This has been a big goal over this last year, especially as I was chair, this is a big goal for me, is what we realize is a lot of students based on how they focus their attention just don't necessarily know about LIAC. Even the ones who may be interested in becoming members or becoming affiliated with many of the events that we run or the support that we can provide to local organizations and to students. And so a big part of our goal this last year was really expanding that footprint 
LIAC serves as a liaison between the legislature and youth, right? And actually all of state government and youth. And so we expanded our legislative footprint this year, but we also expanded our community footprint as well. We had a really great community outreach team led by one of our executive team members, the UB, who is fantastic. Oh yeah, she's fabulous. Exactly. Yes. And she really expanded out, as you mentioned, to almost 200 community organizations that we work with either run by or focused on youth, in addition to hundreds of other students, actually thousands, I think, that we talked to online. And so we really not only expanded our social media footprint, because you can really connect with a lot of youth that way, but we also hosted more events that brought youth together to hear from top policymakers in the state, like the Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, Attorney General, OSPI Superintendent, But we also just made active efforts to have our members speak to students in their communities. One specific project that we launched this year, which LIAC had not pursued a similar project for years, was the 2020 Washington Youth Survey. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sent that out in, I believe, October, and we received responses from 117 different cities and towns around the state. Over 1,400 youth in middle school and high school responded. And we asked them about a huge wide range of questions, ranging from where do you get your news? Do you feel confident in being able to register to vote? What are top policy priorities for you? What do you think of online learning? All these different kinds of range of questions. And and from that, we were actually able to glean a lot of information, not only about students, but also simultaneously promote LIAC and the many things it can do for students. So it's kind of a win-win in that regard. And it was actually from that survey, one response in particular, that we were able to help make one of our main focuses this year, as I'm sure you know, mental health. Yeah. Um, and that we wrote a bill in that regard. And that bill was in part catalyzed by a response from this survey. Mm, that is so great. Priyanka, once you are part of LIAC, once you've been accepted to being part of the council, what does that look like? What does engagement look like for student council members? Do you have regular meetings? Obviously, there hasn't been in-person events for the, the students like a conference yet, but hopefully after COVID is done, that can happen too. But what is that like from a student council member engagement perspective? What kinds of things do you do as a member of LIAC? Yeah, so from the perspective of a first-year member, we have committees to choose from, and we get to demonstrate our interest in those committees in the beginning of the year and then we're eventually placed this year was part of legislative affairs so being able to choose between these three very crucial committees is one of the most important and cool things about LIAC because you really do get to cater towards your own interests so we do have this very overarching theme of public policy and helping youth and representing youth in the government, but then you get to go even deeper and you get to decide whether you want to focus on the policy specific part of it, whether you want to engage more youth in community outreach, or if you really want to get the word out over social media, which we have very, very skilled social media graphic designers and really just cool people on LIAC that are perfectly suited to every committee. Having the opportunity to choose between those committees, I think, is a very cool part and crucial part of LIAC. Priyanka came in in a very weird year as a first-year member, right? Our first all-virtual year ever. So I'm very excited to see what she thinks of LIAC next year when hopefully it will be more in person. But in terms of like the average year uh, in LIAC in which we are in person, there's actually quite a few different things that we do, as Priyanka mentioned. First of all, we have, of course, in-person meetings around the state of the LIAC members where we get our work done and we bring youth to those meetings. And we actually help because we want LIAC to be really equitable for our members. We try and make sure that we cover the transportation, make sure that they're able to get where they need to go, whether that be in Olympia or wherever else. And since we're based out of the Lieutenant Governor's office, we end up usually in the Capitol building doing a lot of our meetings there. Another event that we do, and which 
I'll just plug on this episode here is Action Day. That's every year, usually towards the end of January or very early part of February, right in the middle of legislative session. And Action Day is the largest youth civic engagement event in the state. We bring in youth from around the state, usually from a wide variety of backgrounds, wide geographies and lived experiences. And they come and learn about advocacy and civic engagement at the Capitol building one day on a weekend there. This year, it was an all virtual event. Usually it's gonna be in person, but we had speakers from the Secretary of State, Attorney General, State Treasurer, Lieutenant Governor, State Senators and Reps and members from the ACLU and other advocacy organizations. So we really try and get not only a variety of speakers to instill confidence in these students about their power and their voice. Uh, but we also have workshops and we have community organizations and student networking. And so it's a really great event for students to learn how to do that. And usually as a corollary to that action day, that's when LIAC really launches its lobbying efforts. This year, we met 106 senators and different representatives to advocate for our bills that we had endorsed. And that was uh, kind of directly adjacent to action day there. And we really push on behalf of youth. And that's a big part of it as well. In addition, we sometimes host other events around the state. We meet with students. We go to events hosted by other organizations as well to, again, promote LIAC's footprint and share how we can help support other youth organizations and how they can help support us. Workings of LIAC are pretty wide ranging and they change year to year as well. As Priyanka mentioned, there's three different committees that have these wide range of responsibilities as well. They are all kind of often doing their own independent thing, but then it all comes together to make LIAC stronger as a whole. That's always super exciting for us. So I'm very excited for Priyanka to get an in-person year in LIAC because it's such a thrill as well. Even though virtual, while generally not as fun, still actually allowed us to expand on some opportunities we may not have been able to expand upon otherwise. Priyanka, you mentioned that you're on the Legislative Affairs Committee. What does that look like? Are you having regular meetings with legislators? Are you working on that committee to set the LIAC legislative agenda? What kinds of things does that committee do? I would confidently say that the Legislative Affairs Committee is the best committee on LIAC because we are so integrally involved in legislative priority in terms of LIAC's legislative priority for the given session. We just get to see so many bills, so many bills pass through our desks metaphorically that we get to look through and really prioritize. So something that we did as the committee this year was we just went through all of the pre-filed bills. We went through all of the bills that we could have gone through and we searched for the bills that we thought were most representative of youth perspective. So we're not just looking for, you know, good bills. We're not just looking for effective bills. We're looking for bills that really do cater to priorities that we think the youth in Washington have. So those tend to be bills about foster care, educational bills, which I'm looking forward to talking about more. So we really just look through and see which bills we think we should prioritize. We research those bills, we figure out who the sponsors are, etc. And then we present all of those bills to the council as a whole. And from there, we go and we narrow down our legislative priorities. In those narrowed down priorities, we get a pretty expansive span of bills that we then lobby for in our Action Day activities that Kellen just talked about. We really do get to engage with legislators and really push for bills that we care about. Yeah, that is so great. And it sounds like LIAC is student run. Do you have an adult program manager? Is there any sort of guidance that you receive from the state? Or do students do everything? That's a great question. By design, it is entirely student run. The students on the council set the goals, do the endorsements, plan the projects, execute the projects. There is 
by design and through conscious efforts by the students, as little interference from adults as possible. With that said, given the fact that we are co-administered by the Lieutenant Governor's Office and the Washington State Leadership Board, we do receive some adult support, but the support is very specific. Um, we receive staff support from the Leadership Board side of things, and we receive funding from both sides, from both the public and private sector. And so the adult role is basically this, when the students say they want to do something, if they don't necessarily have the phone number that they need to call or they need a certain amount of money for something, that will be funneled through the leadership board or lieutenant governor's office and they'll connect us with the appropriate person and or funding to achieve the goals that the students have already set. So it's just mostly logistical support in terms of executing exactly what the students want to do. And the adult really has no say. Uh, so <laughs> it's very intentional by design and everything about LIAC is structured towards that. For example, in our applications, there's no adult needed to apply. You can optionally submit adult recommendation letter, but we very intentionally do not choose to require it because we think students should be able to get engaged and get involved without going through an adult. That's kind of the extent of our adult support. And then of course we receive all kinds of advice and support from adults who aren't necessarily working for the program. We have friends at Department of Children, Youth and Families, OSPI, et cetera, who are always willing to provide that access. And actually one of the really nice things about being affiliated with public sector and being a joint partnership between the public and private sectors is that we actually get a lot of access to facilities that other programs don't. For example, uh, we have access to the Senate and the House Committee Services in the legislature, mm -hmm. the Senate photography, graphic design, any kind of the things that legislators can access, so can we. And so we're able to really advance our mission in that regard by utilizing those public sector resources. That's fantastic. What is it like when you have a meeting with a legislator? How do they respond to a LIAC student when you walk into a legislator's office and sit down and start having a conversation? Priyanka, did you get a chance to do that? I unfortunately did not get a chance to meet with any legislators under LIAC in person this year. Well, let me let me rephrase that <laughs> virtually because there was no yes. in-person meetings this year. Yes. So sitting in their virtual office, I think that lots of legislators are just overjoyed to have a youth opinion and youth voice. And I often hear them like in after meetings, they often tell us that like, this is the most attention that they've paid to a, a meeting that they've had in, in the day or in the week. And this is the best meeting that they've had in the past couple of days. And I think the reason for that is that a lot of legislators are just really lacking connection to their constituents that are not voting age. Because of that, they really do value LIAC as a connection to their younger constituents. And we do our best to really represent all youth voices because we understand that we have such a key power to really get our voices heard in a way that is really hard to establish if you're not you know, of voting age and can vote for people that you would like to put into office. So this is really the next best thing that we have. And because of that, legislators are so accommodating and they really just do care about what we have to say. And I have always seen that they really prioritize our feedback. Yeah, to build off of that, really, legislators love having meetings with LIAC, we found. And I attribute that to a couple of things. Part of it is we're not professional lobbyists. We don't get paid to do it. We provide a different thing. We're generally advocating on what we have talked to thousands of views and understand what their perspective is. Second, I think we really fulfill part of that legislator's dream of getting youth civically engaged. A lot of elected officials on both sides of the aisle really strive for that and they want youth involved. They just don't know where to find those youth and we kind of bring that to them. What tends to happen in meetings is if the legislator is going to zone out a lobbyist, whenever they start talking, they give 
students five minutes of their attention. We usually have 15 minute meetings, but we get that kind of in right away and we prepare our members. Like make sure that all of our student members are prepared for lobbying, know how to do it and know how to make a compelling case. And the fact that the students are consistently prepared and compelling really is, I think, quite not only a surprise to legislators, but a pleasant surprise and is convincing. We've had a lot of legislators say that they said to me that other members of LIAC and, and myself have been part of that swing in maybe a change in opinion on a certain bill, because when you hear it directly from the voices of students who are often being affected by these issues, and they're making a compelling and prepared case for it, you're going to get a positive response. It's a similar thing with testifying. We had like members testified in 10 committee hearings this year about a variety of bills. And I received emails afterwards from legislators saying, that was incredible. Like we, we haven't seen a personal anecdote or a testimony as strong as that one in a long time. And I often am in the role of passing along compliments from elected officials onto other LIAC members just because they're blown away by how convincing students can be. Really, it pays dividends to meet with legislators and it's always a very positive experience. The last thing I'll add real quick is Priyanka hasn't met in person with legislators. I have. It's usually very cramped offices. And so an experience that was not replicated this year looking at a computer screen was sitting two feet away and trying to convince them short distance. And you talk about the bills too. What legislative outcomes are you as part of LIAC most proud of? Specific bills or just general priorities that you've seen advanced over the years? One thing that I really do stand for as a student and as a LIAC member is integrating racially equitable practices into our schools. And so I'm very, very proud of some legislation that has been passed, particularly Washington Senate Bill 6066 and Washington Senate Bill 5023, both of which were from last session, but they were passed into law. I'm very proud that those bills were passed because they helped establish an infrastructure for ethnic studies to be implemented in public schools and just the prospect of having those bills being passed seemed so unattainable a couple years ago. But the fact that they're continuing to be implemented and passed right now is very inspiring. It also makes me very hopeful for potential improvements in my own lived experience as a woman of color who is going through the public school system and very hopeful for future women of color, people of color, just students in general who are passing through our public school system I'm just very excited to see how these bills will be implemented because their frame of implementation still hasn't timed out yet. But once it has, I'm looking forward to seeing their impact. Overarchingly, I'm very proud of LAG this session. We really expanded out upon last session. Of the bills that we lobbied for, eight passed into law in large part, I hope, due to us in terms of making those pass a wide variety of bills, about $36 million in various funding for education and other programs that these bills did. Like I said, 106 meetings with legislators, 10 testimonies in committee. Overarchingly, I think it was a big success this year, especially over last year. It wasn't just partisan things either. It was really broadly bipartisan bills as well, expanding access to computer science education, expanding access to technology for students as well, one-on-one devices, but then also things like Priyanka mentioned in terms of uh, access to racial equity training for teachers. And of course, the bill that Lyak wrote, 1373, which we wrote, lobbied for, and passed into law that really expands access to students to mental health resources, and which we were absolutely thrilled about. Yeah, I really appreciated that, that you created 1373, and the fact that you wrote a guest blog for us here at LEV. I was so happy to see that get through. Priyanka, what do you like best about being part of LIAC? Undoubtedly, the best part 
of LIAC is the diversity of opportunities that members have. My past self a year ago would never believe that I would be on a podcast giving an interview about a bill that I helped write and was passed into law just a month ago. That's just so crazy to think that Kellen and I and other members of LIAC have legitimately passed a bill into law. LIAC was a very life-changing force, I think, because it has given me such a key um, motivational drive to my goals because it seems so improbable that a high schooler could have this large of an impact. It seems even more improbable sitting where I am today to see that LIAC isn't even realized to its full potential yet. There's still so many more things that we can do. To me, that's just such a key testament to the power of LIAC and the powerfulness of the opportunities that were afforded. We have so many opportunities as students, not only to interview for podcasts like this one, but to write articles in different magazines and to just have such a wide, diverse range of perspectives that are afforded to us. And I think that this is just such a privilege and I'm so grateful that I'm being afforded this privilege as a member of LIAC. We do really recognize our privilege as members of LIAC. And in recognizing that, we make sure that we continually support and represent other youth in Washington because I think that we do have some sort of a burden because we're given such a wide range of things to get access to that not a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kellen, what do you like best about being part of LIAC? (laughs) I found out about LIAC I guess two years ago now, since this is my second year and uh, LIAC members are limited to two-year terms. So I'll be leaving LIAC after this year. But when I first found out about it, I knew an embarrassing literally little amount about what LIAC did and was. Hopefully students applying this year have a little better idea of what we do. Coming into it, I really had, there's a blank slate for me. And what I realized having worked with LIAC for the past two years, especially in the last year's chair, is just the absurdly wide range of things that LIAC can do and can achieve. Not only because the student members are super talented and involved in their communities and like can execute things to a crazy degree, but also because LIAC is a very expansive program that has the potential to do quite a bit based on where it's positioned in government, based on where it's positioned, what it's done historically. And so basically, LIAC can do kind of whatever, I mean, not whatever it wants, it's limited, but it really, if, if the students want to achieve something, they're usually going to find out a way to do it. And that includes a, a work in progress right now, a project we're working on right now, like a, a student college scholarship by students for students working on that right now. That's not launched yet. So you got the insider peak here, everything from that to uh, this year, we hosted interviews for the gubernatorial and lieutenant governor candidates in the election in November. Um, about youth issues, to events about civic engagement, to writing a bill, kind of whatever the students want to pursue, they can. And that is what I love about LIAC is I've worked with lots of organizations. There's few that are able to think up an idea and execute that idea so effectively and so well. Yeah, that's so amazing. I'd like to take a minute to uh, talk about your own educational experiences. So Priyanka, what up to this point has worked well as you've been moving through the public school system? I've moved around a lot. I have been to, I think, five or six different schools, all public schools, through my K through 12 education. And I think that undoubtedly I've been well educated. You know, I learn what I need to learn. I go through all my subjects as needed. And I know the the basic principles of education that I think are necessary for students in Washington. 
so when we talk about educational experience, I've definitely been educated, if that makes sense. But beyond just the raw learning standards and knowing how to do long division and things like that, I also have really made some great friends along the way, not just my peers, but I've gotten mentors that are my teachers or people that have been connected with me through racial equity work that I've done in the Bellevue School District. And so a very educational experience has not just been how to, you know, calculate the gravity and gravitational force on an object or, you know, I, I really am not that good at physics, but I'm really glad that it's gone beyond that and has cultivated strong relationships with not only people of my age, but people who are interested in racial equity in schools, mentors that I believe will carry with me even after I've graduated and aged out of the public school system in Washington. And I'm confident that these peers and mentors and friends are going to stick with me throughout my life. Yeah, mentors, caring adults, that is so important. Kellen, what has worked well for you in your educational experience? In my educational experience, this isn't directly related to curriculum, but uh, I found a lot of uh, enthusiasm and support for the advocacy that I do on behalf of youth, whether that be through LIAC or any of the other organizations that I work with in my school, in my district, from both students and administrators and teachers. They've been overwhelmingly enthusiastic and supportive of any kind of the work that I do, partially because I, I hope it helps them. And I think that's obviously going to be enthusiastic about that, but also because it's very exciting, I think, at least from my own perspective, looking at other students to see students getting involved. And so I've really appreciated the, the support that they've given me in the classroom and outside the classroom and been very amenable to also when I have ideas for at the local level, right? We like work at the state level, but a lot of our members are involved at the local level, including myself. When we have ideas at local level, they're very amenable to hearing them. And that has been quite a good thing as well. So that's been probably the highlight of my experience. That is huge. I'd like to ask you both a vision question. So if you were in charge of our education system in Washington state and there were no budgetary constraints, what would you change? Priyanka, I'll go ahead and start with you. Yeah, thank you for that question. I think that really is a dreamer question and I'm certainly a dreamer so I can answer that question fully. But I think that one of the most crucial parts of our education system really is the curriculum, how it's taught, what it includes, what requirements really need to be imbued in it from K through 12 learning. And one key core requirement that I believe needs to be implemented across Washington state is ethnic studies and also critical race theory. When we look at the Texas House bill, I believe that was passed that limits critical race theory curriculum in schools. I just think that's completely horrifying. And I'm very, very glad that Washington has not tended towards that path and that we are passing bills like Senate Bill 6066 and Senate Bill 5023, things that really do advance ethnic studies and bring race and multiculturalism into the classroom. I'm glad that we're on that path, but I do think that we need to push a little bit further. I was actually talking to my U.S. government teacher about this this morning, and he was saying how no matter how many standards legislation implements, it's so hard because the implementation of the standards fall upon the individual educators. And I think that's something that really needs to be remedied by future legislation or other priorities that the government should set through the OSPI or otherwise. I think that it's important that we make sure that the burden of education, and more importantly, the burden of carrying this critical race theory and ethnic studies throughout 
our curriculum standards can't fall on the individual educator. We need to create a system that supports this curriculum and these standards as a whole so that we really do have a comprehensive look at, you know, how can we support our students of color? How can we support our students that are not of color who need to learn about, you know, multiculturalism, but more than multiculturalism, about how race has impacted them in their education and how it will impact them later in life. I think budget constraints aren't exactly the problem here. It's more of like the constraints of just the human experience. There's so much that needs to be done, but there's also so much that we've already done. And I think that we need to continuously push for all of these standards to be put into place so that it doesn't become you know, rigid. It's not just, you have to do this, you have to do that. It becomes more of a culture and a community that will carry through for Washington students and benefit students of color in years to come. Yeah, we definitely want to make sure that every student feels like they are in a supportive, safe, and accessible learning environment. And race is a huge part of that. So I really appreciate what you're saying, Priyanka. Kellen, if you were in charge of our state's education system, what would you do? We can see why Priyanka is an award-winning debate champion. So I will try and be half as eloquent as that in my own response. And the thing that my mind goes to is just simple majority bonds. I'm sure League of Education voters is well familiar with the issue. Yep. I think that'd be a great way to uh, basically uh, ensure our schools are continually funded and we're building what we need to build. That's kind of more of like a fiscal kind of thing. If we're looking at more of the, the policy kind of thing, honestly, the Washington State Legislature has been doing some really good work. Uh, last session, they passed a comprehensive sex ed bill that LAG was pretty involved with. We actually spoke with Teen Vogue earlier this year about our work in that. I'm thrilled about that. I think it's a top priority. Personally, I'm really passionate about financial literacy education. So I, I would like to basically implement some kind of curriculum for all high school students that they must take it doesn't have to be like a full credit or anything like that, but just some level of financial literacy curriculum or learning for all students because we see quantitatively and qualitatively students just don't know what's going on when they leave secondary education of how to do honestly basic finances. But really, like I said, initially, simple majority bonds, I think will be a big focus and should be a big focus in making sure our schools are prioritized and funded to the extent that they need to be. And I think that would pay dividends. Yeah, League of Education Voters is behind you on that 100%. Priyanka Mukara and Kellen Horde are members of the Washington State Legislative Youth Advisory Council. Their website is walayak.org. Priyanka, Kellen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about League of Education Voters or support our work, please visit our website, educationvoters.org.